Hello and welcome to February, February, February. It's the, <laughs> the lineup with, from True Blue LA podcast. I don't know why I went into the the, the demolition derby voice, but I did. We need to start recording on Sunday, Sunday, <laughs> Sunday. I think that, that should be our new thing. Well, it's Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. There's no baseball today, but we're getting so close. You you call it you you were calling it fake baseball. I, I it's real baseball. It's it, the purest form of baseball. Just to be to be clear, the fake part of it is the reporting and and full workouts. Like sure. that's that's just milling around. Like <laughs> the once the the spring training actual games start. Those also don't count, but there's an opportunity for a tie. So that's the realest form of baseball there is. So I'm in. Yeah. Well, and that's this month. Yeah. We've you, it's been three weeks. We took a, an extra week off, just kind of getting back into the swing of things after, you know, we've done an episode since the holidays, but we're still a little in the lull. And honestly, not a ton going on, but three weeks, there's enough for you to catch us up on. You and I are both in the best podcasting shape of our life. So we're going to dive into that and questions from Craig after this. You know, I like the world baseball classic, but it does make spring training different, weird. Yeah, there's splintered. It is a little weird because so. Well, for one thing, this is our first like, I guess 2021 was a a normal length spring training, but it was also weird because it was still under like COVID restrictions. So it was a little disjointed, but like, so this is our first like normal, normal spring training since like 2019. But like the whole point of spring training being like six weeks or whatever is so starting pitchers can build up. And like, and it seems like the world baseball classic, like eats into that a little bit. Like it, it just, it just tweaks just a little bit like that timeline. Cause it's still like, it's like mid March or, I think the World Baseball Classic runs till about two weeks before opening day. And so you're like, pitchers are like getting built up and then they're like, okay, we're going to go over here for a little bit and see in a few days, you know, that kind of a thing. But it, it's always a little, a little bit odd, but uh, that, that tweaks the, um, so pitchers and catchers for the Dodgers first workout, like the normal first workout is February 16th. So I guess the pitchers and catchers report on the 15th. But for World Baseball Classic pitchers and catchers, which for the Dodgers, I believe, is Will Smith is catching. Um, you have Clayton Kershaw, Julio Urias. I I don't remember which other pitchers, if any, are going to be on the World Baseball Classic, but I haven't seen all the full rosters. But at least that group is going to be like there on the 13th. Um, and generally, some players trickle in early anyway, but like – so, but we're, which basically means we're like a little, like a week and a half basically. And like, people are going to be at Camelback Ranch on the backfield doing stuff. And that's, although to be fair, like I saw, um, Yancy Almonte was like throwing a bullpen yesterday, I think at Camelback Ranch, he posted on Instagram. So like, they're there, they're just not, not formally mm-hmm. just yet, but it, it is, it's a little weird. Are you looking forward more to the first World Baseball Classic game or the first spring training game? First spring training game, for sure. Okay. Because there, there could be a tie. <laughs> um, can there not what? be t- Can there be tie? How, how does... I'm trying to remember oh. how WBC tie... Oh, oh, do they do like a... um, um they, uh, Do they do man on second? 
I don't remember. Yeah, I, I I feel like that was a new thing, but maybe not. Maybe that was the thing they borrowed. May, I'll do some Googling while you catch us up yeah. on uh, on roster news. Because not a lot of yeah, news, they, they but insight, I guess, is what we have. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we, when we last recorded, it was like a day after the Dodgers traded for Miguel Rojas. And we're like, hey, is he going to be the shortstop? You know, that kind of mm-hmm. a thing. or. So, but there's been a little more like clarity since then in the, in the few weeks. And um, so for one thing there, there was sort of um, a little bit of um, uncertainty regarding his right wrist um, or was it his, like, his right wrist, I think. Um, but, uh, or I guess it's, was it his left? I think it was left, whatever. It, one of his wrists, <laughs> I'll say right now, but he had surgery in, in like a debridement surgery at the end of the season. But then he needed a second surgery, and I believe he he already had that, like some sometime like ten days before the end of January. I think I, on one of the podcasts he said he like I think they had to remove like a part of a bone that was growing out and it was just causing irritation. So he's supposed to be ready by the you know beginning of spring training, or so he should be in relatively decent shape. But there was some uncertainty, like what he would eventually need another procedure. And I guess he already had that, so that's taken care of. But um, we, we, last episode, we tried to like, what, divvy up playing time at a bunch of positions. And, you know, Rojas was like a key to that because it's like, where does Gavin Lux go? Where does Rojas go? And it sounds like, um, Rojas himself has said this. He has a podcast with like Chris Rose on the John Boy Network, which is a weird thing to say out loud. <laughs> um, he also was on Dodger Talk with David Vassay mentioning this but um he basically said like he's gonna be playing all over the infield and you know the whole spiel about wherever they want me that kind of a thing um dave roberts at a community event on thursday i did not go to this this was earlier today um he said there the dodgers doing fan fest this saturday so there's going to be a bunch of interview type stuff this weekend but um dave roberts said he sees rojas playing shortstop second third and maybe some left field that seems a that seems literally out of left field, I think. But um, th- this was Dave Roberts' quote per Rowan Kavner at Fox Sports. He said, quote, he's open to doing whatever will help the Dodgers win. So you got your boilerplate sort of uh, standard type stuff there. Then sort of bolstering that, uh, Andrew Friedman last week on MLB Network Radio. And, and again, he in, in sort of Andrew Friedman speak, um, sort of couched it in a way that is not um, – etching things in stone or even in dark pencil. Uh, but he said most likely the infield, obviously Freddie Freeman at first, Max Muncy at third, um, Gavin Lux getting the most time at short and Miguel Vargas get, uh, at second base. And that, so um, that jived a little bit with earlier in the off season, there was some mentions of Vargas working at second, Ken Rosenthal of the, of the athletic had it as a point in one of his columns and, um, in his weekly newsletter this week, Juan Trebio at MLB.com, he talked to GM Brandon G- Gomes, who said Vargas has been working mostly at second and a little bit at third. Um, Vargas has played third the most in the minors, but he's also played a lot of second. And last year they kind of maneuvered him into left field a little bit to increase his versatility. But Gomes told um, Trebio, quote, Vargas is our second or third fastest guy on the team, which is probably not appreciated at all. So he's a good athlete. Um, it's more about getting him reps and getting his feel at second base. I think it, the com- a combination of it all is really strong. So 
you know, we talked about this before. There's, there's still going to be a lot of mixing and matching, but it seems like that's how they're going to start things at least. So we have a little more clarity there. Um, the Dodgers, like I said, haven't made a roster move since then, at least on the major league side. They haven't even announced their non-rostered invitees officially yet. They, I think the only one they officially announced was Jason Hayward back in early December. There's been like other signings trickling in minor league wise. Some of the more recent ones are pitching heavy and they're all, I don't even like, they're all like most, I think most of these will get non-roster invites, but honestly, like some of them did not pitch well enough the last couple of years to, to even have that. So I think they all just might end up being triple A depth anyway, but a couple of the names that stood out, Jordan Yamamoto, um, He's the youngest of sort of the group of veteran pitchers. He's 27. He also didn't pitch in the majors last year, and he had a six ERA at AAA. So it's like, all right. He's been hurt a lot. Um, he include he missed like the uh, last four months in 2021 with right shoulder soreness. He is probably best known for uh, being a key piece in the trade um, from uh, Milwaukee to Miami in the Christian Yelich deal in 2018. They also signed uh, Matt Andres, uh, who's 33. He pitched in Japan last year after pitching seven years in the majors. He's a local guy, born in Redlands, went to UC Riverside. Dylan Kobe is also local. He went to high school in Pasadena. Uh, he pitched for Rakuten in uh, Rakuten in the Chinese Professional Baseball League the last two years. He's 31. So I don't know. I, those not a lot of those guys move the needle for me, but like that's that's the kind of news that's been like trickling in in terms of uh roster stuff in terms of the folks like already on the team uh we were a couple days away from the arbitration exchange deadline last time we recorded um they settled with nine of the ten uh arb eligible players like urius got a deal uh bueller got a deal will smith was his first time through those those all signed the only one they didn't sign was uh, Tony Gonsolin, they so they exchanged uh, figures. Uh, he wanted 3.4 million. The Dodgers are at three, and usually that has tended to mean either that the the Dodgers will probably go to a hearing at that point, or they would, would probably talk on perhaps a multi-year deal. He's a super two player, uh, so like not quite three years of service time, but one of the um, top people in service time for folks with over two years. Um, so the arbitration hearings began for MLB this week in Arizona. They're basically a, like a three-week period, or not in Arizona, in, in Florida. Um, but the Dodgers avoided a hearing on Tuesday by signing a two-year deal uh, with, uh, for Gonsolin worth $6.65 million. So my first thought on this was it seemed kind of low. Um, so even had Gonsolin lost, the, they went to a hearing and he lost, he's getting $3 million this year if he's like reasonably healthy and just does it doesn't even have to have a good year just like a normal year he's going to get a raise higher to a point that it's higher than 3.65 million next year so on that level it seemed a little odd um the breakdown of the contract is 3.25 million this year which is a little bit higher than the midpoint uh 3.4 next year but i think the key to the deal is it has escalators in it um they're kind of not quite identical to the same deal that Walker Bueller signed in 2021 when he was a super two. Bueller also had a higher guarantee. His was 8 million over two years, but he also had a better track record, that sort of thing. Um, Onslaught's 2024 salary 
going to increase by three million based on games. Um, they use this complicated point system where normally, like Bueller's um, sort of thresholds for this were just starts, but I think with Gonsolin they put in there where it's one point for a start and one point for each relief appearance that is at least three and a third inning. So I think they're sort of building in where you know Gonsolin's more likely to like follow an opener than say you know, Bueller is or something like that. The The first time I saw this type of incentive structure uh, was in um, Alex Wood's contract before the 2020 season. I'm, it's probably been around longer than that. That was just the first time I remember seeing it. And it didn't really matter because he got hurt that year and he ended up not hitting any of the incentives. But um, so it's like basically 500000 each for like 14, 16, 18, 20, 24 and 28 of those points or whatever. Um, Gonsolin started 24 games last year. So if he just does that again, it's 2.5 million extra on his 2024 salary. He also gets raises uh, if he gets Cy Young votes. Um, basically, if he finishes in the in the top five, I th- he was headed for that uh, had he not gotten hurt. Um in 2022 so in a, in a way he's kind of betting on himself so i still think it's a team-friendly deal but that's kind of the nature of the beast on some of these things and i think it has gonsolin accepting most of the risk it it seems like a pay for play almost not not it's not on the level i mentioned this in the comments the other day it's not quite kenta maeda mm-hmm. because that was like an extreme where his base salary was so low and he you know he could you can make like ten million in bonuses, but like your base salary is three million a year. So you're basically that, that's like the kind of stuff that owners salivate over. Basically, like oh man, we can, this is the greatest contract. That it's not that, but it's like it's not it's it's you know it's still team friendly. But also, if you look at it from Gonsolin's standpoint, I also kind of get it. Um, so his signing bonus out of college was twenty five hundred. Um, his first full major league season was cut short by a pandemic, so he didn't even get like a full season of a major league salary um, from his 2019 major league debut in mid season to through last year, his career earnings are like less than 2 million. I think it's closer to 1.8 million or so. He's also been hurt the last two seasons, shoulder soreness in 2021 that had two long injured list stints. This last year, he missed the last six weeks until coming back at the very end with a forearm strain. He wasn't the same in the playoffs. His 133 and two-thirds innings last year uh, is only six innings shy of his professional high, which was set in 2018. Those are his only two years with more than 81 innings total. Um, That includes majors, minors, and postseason combined. So, like, this is just a guy who hasn't pitched a lot, really. Um, So I can sort of see why Gonsolin opted for the guarantee of two years because, you know, it's it's like um, it's the Tyler Anderson situation, but, like, on a smaller scale. Tyler Anderson had pitched for a long time in the majors. This was his like one chance at a like decent contract. And he could have taken like 19 and 0.65 million, the qualifying offer from the Dodgers, but he, he basically got double that guarantee with the angels on a three-year deal. And and after like, you know, sort of not toiling, but like, that's a, that's a big number, you know, like it's hard to like not take that uh, rather than like, uh, take the, the 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 higher money now and then see what happens next year. So, uh, for what it's worth, on MLB Network earlier Thursday, uh, in an interview with Alana Rizzo, um, Gonsolin mentioned uh, that's kind of the goal. 
uh, to get that security to go out there and just compete and not have to worry about anything. Uh, you know, you're going to come back, you know, you're, you're set for the next two years. You can just go out there and throw. So a little bit was, was peace of the mind. Um, and honestly, like I was looking back, the, the Dodgers haven't done a lot of these like um, deals for like young players, either it's, it's all, all almost all been like during arbitration and not like super long deals. Like, uh, Gonsolin, Bueller got two-year deals. Uh, Chris Taylor, Austin Barnes got two-year deals. Max Muncie got three years. Those are all covering our beers only. They haven't really done like one of those like 1990s Cleveland moves or like current Atlanta Braves moves mm-hmm. where you're like trying to lock up guys super early. Um, but I don't know if that's from like lack of trying or that the some of the players like you would think, right, like um, – uh, Bellinger might have been a candidate for this like early on, but then his, his agent's also Scott Boris, probably steering him towards free agency. Same with Julio Urias, like, um, who knows, but like he's a Boris guy too. So it doesn't always work out that way where, um, maybe the player doesn't want to do, but I also don't think they've necessarily pursued those types of deals. They're just mm-hmm. kind of willing to go year to year, but that that's sort of where we're at. That's, uh, the the roster, I don't know. They, they could pro- they could I guess add like someone in the next week and a half. Who knows? But they it's, might. It kind of up- struck me as a a year where there's so many like like medium floor like low like high high ceiling but could of medium floor situations with with all the young players and all the turnover this year. This kind of feels like a year where maybe they just let that ride for. Sure two or three months and then aggressively fill whichever one didn't work out, whichever position didn't work out at the closer to the trade deadline. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And I I think even if they were going to add someone in the next week to 10 days, like one I was thinking about, um, uh, I think people in the comments have mentioned it too, uh, who, but he just signed with the blue Jays was Chad green. Um, Mm. he's a reliever who's been with the Yankees, uh, pretty good. Um, but also had Tommy John surgery last year. So, like, he ended up getting, like, a, a two-year deal with the Blue Jays. Um, also had a weird structure to it as well where um, I think there's, an, there's a player opt-out. I don't remember which triggers one first. I think um, Green can opt out after this year. But if he does, then the Blue Jays can uh, – pick up a three-year option or maybe it's hit the team first than him. So like it has this weird thing where it could be two years. It could be four. It could be whatever. But like though, I guess the point of that, like it's basically in a, I was thinking more of like a Tommy Canely type deal mm-hmm. where you're, you're doing a two-year deal, hoping to get most of it. And in, in, you know, you're paying for the second year basically, although except his, his surgery was last June, two years before or two months ahead of where Canely was two years ago. So, like, you could have also gotten something at the end of this year, too. So I was thinking it, it could be something along those lines where um, it's not necessarily blocking anyone, you know, or right. anything like that. But, like, also, like, if you look at, I think, some of the offensive guys out there, I mean, are they, you know, are you going to sign, like, Jerickson Profar? Is that really going to move the needle? No, like, yeah. You know, that kind of a thing. I think, I think like, the only, and this goes back to, how you and I were talking about the roster last time. The only thing I I could see outside of, you know, maybe a relief play or maybe a bench role 
Um, if the, a trade came up prior to the season starting, center fielder does kind of make sense there. That seems yeah. to be a little un- uncertain. Um, but unless the right deal for, like, I don't know, a Brian Reynolds or something comes around, it feels like this is going to be, you know, close to the roster we're going with. Again, not counting NRIs, not counting maybe some of these sort of smaller, maybe you get something like a Tyler Anderson deal from last year, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I th- I think I think Michael Walk is still out there um, from the pitching side. He's probably the closest to like a Tyler Anderson type uh, out there. I don't know. I don't know how they exactly compare, but like you know, that's the kind of you're right. Like maybe they do that, but even then, they do also have Pepio and Grove like right. at the ready. But then also, you know, eventually, um, Bobby Miller, Gavin Stone. But so like, do. I don't know. Do you, do they try to find a guy who can fill like a hybrid role? So we're like, I mean, because if you sign Walker, right, he's going to be on the roster. So he's if he's not starting, do you, do you sign someone like that who's going to be who you can also use in relief or something like? Or is just is Michael Grove that guy, you know, or something? Mm-hmm. Who, who knows? But I don't know. Like, but it, it does seem like because they you they've tended to, um, kind of, uh go over on that like they'll be like let's just add this guy and we'll sort it out you know like we'll, we'll figure it out but but they also have uh again uh we sort of talked about this uh last episode but to, i think it's worth reiterating it feels like they have a lot of depth at that yeah. almost ready to graduate starting pitching level which seems like a level of of once they have an idea of what they have now uh, a place they may deal from to try and get that center fielder or maybe shore up, you know, the fourth starter or whatever. Yeah. Like all, all the, uh, a lot of the major league ready, like um, rookies as it were are, are very close to the majors and, and most of them are on the 40 man, uh, not just pitching, but like even hitting like Michael Bush might not start the year in the majors, but he could easily like hit his way onto the team James Outman could end up winning one of the outfield roles, you know, like that's, and we've talked about like, they, they don't have experience depth. Like Outman has four days of service time and he's like on the higher end of a lot of their position player, 40 man, but like, they're also right there. So like, I get why you you don't want to necessarily block that, but like, it's just going to be interesting to see how they, how that sort of plays out. Um, but yeah, that's that's sort of where we're at roster. We we talked um, a lot about uh, Tony Gonsolin and his his arbitration contract. But I will note um, he's coming off of a year where he was sixteen and one um, in his career. He's twenty six and six in the majors. And as you know, on this podcast, we are very pro winning percentage and win. We're a big fan of that stat. Yeah, and uh, so his eight thirteen winning percentage is the highest in Dodgers history. With a minimum of 20 decisions, this question got really complicated all of a sudden, but 10 pitchers besides Gonsolin have a winning percentage of at least 700. Five of them are L.A. Dodgers. And how many of those can you name? I will guess five of those winning hurlers, all of them, <laughs> called shot on accident uh, after this break. To stall and let me uh, have more time to think of answers, I have a World Baseball Classic Extra Innings Briefing oh. for you. They did have the the, the a uh, runners on whatever bases rule. Uh, funny thing. So the rule, uh, I think, as of twenty the seven the last World Baseball Classic um, was uh, ru- starting in the eleventh. Runners on first and second, 
Uh, so I found that, and then same year, Rob Manfred, WBC extra innings rule, unlikely to come to Major League Baseball. And you know what? He's not lying. <laughs> He's the runner on they, first. They're like, we don't, we can't have this runner on first. This is an abomination. Uh, so okay, so just as a as a backdrop for the trivia, so uh, I, I noted that um, five LA Dodger pitchers or, and ten total Dodgers pitchers besides yeah. Gonsolin have a seven hundred winning percentage. Yeah, I used minimum of twenty decisions. Gonsolin still has the highest overall if you go down to ten decisions, but uh, keeping it at twenty, just as a point of reference, Clayton Kershaw. Uh, is just below that group at 694. Cross that name year. off my guest list. Yeah, so sure. just as a hint, that's my hint to you. I um, have more hints coming if you I, want. I have, I, I have some names. Uh, all, I do all, need... I will a... say all of these, all of the, the LA Dodgers 700 club is uh, is firmly within the Jacob era. Okay, that was going to be one of my questions, so I appreciate For, firmly it. Firmly uh, within the last decade in fact uh okay that makes me a little more nervous uh yeah. i'm gonna cross kofax off my list real quick um more of my i had more names including kershaw uh in the, the recent era uh just to clarify this is their winning percentage as a dodger right okay um kofax was um 655 what okay. a slacker um grinky zach grinky um is number three uh, 773. He was 51 and 15. Uh, Urias. Julio Urias. Uh, 742. He's number six. He is 49 and 17. Okay. Uh, I'm just trying to name the LA ones, right? I don't have to name Dazzy Vance or whatever. No, you're right. Uh, okay. and, and just, and just as a, as another hint, Dazzy Vance is not one of the, Aww. yeah. I will. I will. Is I will it tell Zach you, Wheat? No, <laughs> he pitched ten times. Yeah. And one, no, um, Joe Joe McGinnity is number two. He's the the highest Brooklyn one. Okay, but it's all. Oh, so I did this. Um, no, I did it all seasons, or maybe this only goes back to nineteen hundred. I don't remember. Um, but uh, it he's he's nineteen hundred only, so maybe that's an error on this. But he is. He's also not part of our trivia. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh. Hyunjin Ryu? No. Um, I will I will tell you. So you've named two. The other three, yeah. uh, two are starters. One is a reliever. Okay. Okay. And the reliever is left-handed. Uh, uh, J.P. Howell? It is J.P. Howell. <laughs> he was 14 and 6 in his four years. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, what a pull. Um Ryu, um, six twenty one in his six years with the Dodgers. By the okay. way, okay. Oh man, I'm. Uh, I'm... Do, do you want another hint? Sure. All right. Both of these pitchers pitched for the twenty twenty two Dodgers. Dustin May. No. Although I have to look what he's at. Who pitched? Walker Bueller. Walker Bueller is he? I was wrong he's the, before. He's on um, the IL in my head, apparently. <laughs> so he's he's also seven forty two. Uh, baseball Reference in their table here has him at seventh, just below Urias. Except, um, oh no, that's right, he is seventh. So the reason is, um, so he's forty six and sixteen. Urias is three and one more than him. So he's 
he's slightly higher than Bueller. Um, Tyler Anderson. So hold on. To, oh, Dustin May eight and eight in his career. Oh, only five hundred. I, I didn't. <laughs> you so your guess, Tyler Anderson, fifteen and five with the twenty twenty two Dodgers oh, seven fifty. Twenty decisions really threw me off because I was just yeah. discounting. I was just, I was really discounting. I it had to been someone pitched like at least two seasons in my head. Like I was just yeah. immediately the one so I'm done. I, I don't. I guess part of this is like I don't. I don't really know what to make of it. Like, is it just? Like this is because this is the winningest like era regular season wise in like Dodger history. That would be my you guess. Know? But also like I think in olden days like starters wore it a lot more too. Yeah, I was wondering like I wonder Whereas, how many losses in the yeah. olden era were blown in the seventh eighth or whatever inning. Yeah, so like I, I'm I don't know the answer to that. Um but also you would figure they could also get more wins that way too. Because mm-hmm, like, because mm-hmm. it is weird that, that Gonsolin is a guy who's racked up wins. He's pitched well, but like, not he's not always like going deep. He he did this year, um, but like, look at May. Like May has pitched just as well as Gonsolin, I think, um, at times. And but he's like, like you said, eight and eight. <laughs> like, so like, it's just weird how that, how it sort of racks, um, stacks up that way sometimes. But um, pre, the preacher row. Okay. Was probably the most notable um, uh, Brooklyn pitcher on here because he had 93 wins. He's 715. Uh, Joe Black, um, uh, 20, 22 and 7 from in four years with the Dodgers. He was the rookie of the year in 52. So, yeah, you, you did really well on that. That's that's good. J.P. Howell was a nice pull. Uh, it was just the first left-hander I could think of. Yep. Yeah. Uh... And also, you know, he had a he had a nice little run there. Uh, oh yeah, he, he was so. he was reliable. Hey, hey, hey! Guess what? It's been a it's been a few weeks, but it's time for questions from Craig. I have some trivia for you from Yay. our friend Craig Venami, and then some et cetera questions after that for the both of us. You ready? Oh no! Yep. It's the trivia you should be scared of. Yep. This week we had the last set of prospect ratings come out with the Athletics Keyfall ranking the Dodgers as the number one organization in terms of minor league development. For this week's trivia, we look back to the last decade of Dodger prospect ratings and see if Eric can recall these Dodger prospects. Before you get into the first question, I just want to point a reference. Fangraphs has not come out with their top 100 or whatever list yet. Okay. They've done team lists, but they haven't. They they are the lone like national sort of prospect ranking site that hasn't done a national the full list yet so just as a point of correction question a from baseball sure. america's 2022 prospect handbook name the yeah. dodger prospects that have been the top prospect twice since t- 2013 top uh, dodgers prospect just to clarify okay so um uh Cabert Ruiz. Yep, 2019 and 2021. Oh, man. Okay, now I wonder the top. Um, is it? Okay. Um, now I'm trying to think here. So I think I think it would have to be Corey Seager. It is. 2015 and 2016. Yeah. And is that is that it? That's there, it. Is there no? That's okay, it. good. In 2015, the Dodgers had three prospects in Baseball America's top 10. 
Can Eric name them? And also, can he rank them by most B-War as of the 2023 season? Okay, so uh, in 2015, I don't remember the third one being this high, but it probably is. But okay, so uh, it would be Seeger, Julio Urias, and Jock Peterson. Bingo, bingo. Uh, all three right in the right order. Okay, so I think... I think it's Seeger first in, in war. Mm-hmm. Then it's the question. So you have Urias has been really good the last few seasons, but he's really only been a starter for like a full-time starter for three years. And one of those was the pandemic year. Jock though was like kind of middling in terms of war, like for a few years there. He had a really good year last year. Um, man, I th- I'm just I think it's Urias and Peterson, but I could be wrong there. Uh, you're right. I, I actually thought you were giving me the order already. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. So it was Peterson was actually ranked eighth, and Urias was ranked tenth. Uh, so the ordering, Baseball America's ordering, was uh, Seager, Peterson, Urias. But war-wise, it is Seeger in first, and then Urias, and then Peterson. Yeah, I was looking up because I, uh, I wrote about um, Bobby Miller um, today, or I, for Thursday, just because where his his rankings are, he's he's averaging like in the twenties on all the national sites. So like I was looking back, and the the only people who have done that starting pitcher-wise for the Dodgers since Kershaw are um, Urias in 2016, and, but and by 2016 he was like top five or top Mm -hmm. 10 and like everything. But, uh, and then you have Bueller who was a little bit higher and then Dustin May who was closer to Miller uh, entering 2020. But like, yeah, it was just interesting to see how they haven't had that many like pitchers rank that high nationally. I don't think, but yeah, Urias, I remember two years in a row, he was like really high. So that was, that was something. The 2020 Baseball America Prospect Book had a projected huh. two th- 2023 position lineup, rotation, and closer. How many of these players can Eric name? And before he names any of them, can Eric guess how many of the 14 players on the list are still in the Dodgers organization? So the general rule for um, for Baseball America, I believe, when they do these three years ahead, looking out... Um, they they don't they they if a player is going to be a free agent they just assume they're going to stay like if they're mm-hmm. good enough to start so I'm trying to think so 2020 um, that was a that that's almost like a year like this year where they didn't have like a super top guy but they had oh maybe I'm conflating hmm. 2019-2020 were similar in that regard where they had a lot of guys. Um, so I'm trying to think here. So 2020, um, let's... Oh, God. Um, I'm Wait. Okay. When the book came out, they hadn't traded for Mookie Betts yet. I'm I will let you know that is the correct. <laughs> yeah, that was the so, one hint I was going to give you because that affects things quite a bit. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So... Um, so I'm going to say Alex Verdugo's in the outfield. Uh, he is. And then they would also have probably, God, um, 
the they'd probably still have Jock. They do. They uh and for why am I blanking on like who else would be there? Um would hmm, let me I'll I'll get back to that. Um so Seeger's still at short. Uh Seeger is on the team. He is not a oh, short. Oh, at third. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, so short is Gavin Lux. Uh, Gavin Lux is on the team. He's not short. <laughs> <And> second. <laughs> yep. Wow. Wait. So twenty. Okay. Holy crap. Uh, wait. No. Did hmm. Did they have Jacob Maya? Nope. Well, I'll I'll, the, I'll remind you that this is before the Mookie Betts trade. I don't. Oh. Oh God. Jeter Downs. Yep. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, okay. So then, um, uh, so first base is probably Max Muncy then. Yep. Max Muncy. Um, so am I, what am I, I'm missing one outfielder? Uh, you are center fielder. Oh, at, okay. Oh, center fielder. Um, oh, Chris Taylor. No, no. Oh, wait, but I already said Verdugo. You did. Um, wait, before, I'm going to say Will Smith is catcher, though. He is. Um, <laughs> so you're missing only the center fielder. Um, it's is it? It's not Kike. No, you're you're breaking my. I'll let you know. Primary center fielder for the Dodgers in 2022. <laughs> Oh geez, yeah. You know, I guess coming <laughs> off the MVP year, probably Cody Bellinger. Yeah. Wow, talk about memory hole. Um, okay, so let's let's delve into the pitchers. Is it so? It's what? It's five starters and a closer. Correct. Or, okay, so yes, eating some chicken. Sorry about that. Um, that's all right. Uh, Kershaw, Bueller, Urias. Uh, no, nobody. <laughs> triple checker. Um. Kershaw is not on this list. Well, they're they're stupid. Yeah. Um, although, <laughs> no. To be fair, oh, 2023. Yeah, yeah, they are stupid. <laughs> um, but so, what? Bueller and Urias, though. Yep. Okay, I was I got worried. Like, wait a minute. Um, I'm assuming also. Oh no. Okay. Hmm. So the thing I think were you already resigned? Already signed with Toronto by then. Hmm. Um. And even if, since Maeda wasn't traded yet, he was enough of a, like, let's move him to the bullpen guy that he's right. probably not listed in the rotation. So um, so in 2020, so then it would be, so Dustin May would be in there. Yep. And Tony Gonsolin would be in there. He is indeed. So I'm missing a one starter. Yep. And a close. so, oh man, I'm going to, I'm going to, I, this is, I I'm saying Kenley just because he was there then, but it I don't is, have a lot of not, I'll let you know the two remaining pitchers you have to name, uh neither are on the team currently. So oh oh um uh Josiah Gray is the fifth starter. Um and then oh man. Um who else? Oh um nope, that's not it. Uh huh. I'm trying to think of 
who else was around? Um, I don't know why I'm blanking on reliever. This is captivating audio. Um, is it someone they traded or just someone who went? I'm gonna crazy? I'm gonna confess. I forget. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. I'm okay. Yes. Yes. They traded this player. I'm re- I remember the, the trade now. They traded. Um, so someone on 2019 who was a good reliever, uh. or uh, <laughs> well, they're not gonna put like they're not gonna put like Ross Stripling at closer, are they? Um, I'm letting you know right now in 2019, this pitcher had a uh, five innings for the Dodgers at a seven fip. <laughs> um, oh, this is infuriating. Um, um, if I recall correctly, he was. Uh, I'm going to double check this real quick. Standard batting, standard batting. Uh, I seem to recall he led an OPS or something like that. <laughs> oh, was um, it? He had in 2018. He had an OPS plus of 296. <laughs> No, uh, <laughs> that that was a a small sample size trivia question you and I did once, so I re- I recalled that. I don't. Yeah, it is, I, uh, it is Dennis Santana. Dennis Santana. Wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, I remember. So he doubled like close to the wall and yeah, yeah. Field in his first <laughs> bat. I remember that. All right, I'm giving myself a win for that for remembering that. Hey, you no, did that's... you did a lot, and so seven players still on the roster, and good on them for the, the that rotation is. Pretty dang yeah. close, if you know. Yeah. How did they was... not have Noah Syndergaard? Idiots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going back to 2000, this is your last question. How yep. many players drafted by the Dodgers in the first round, not necessarily first overall for the Dodgers, um, have been the Dodgers' number one prospect per Baseball America? Number one. Well, and they then only... can you name them? Okay. Oh, the Dodgers number one. I was like, yeah, I'm yeah. Like, as opposed eagerness. to so any anyone the Dodgers yeah. drafted in the first yeah. round is eligible to. Oh, so I was here. thinking, but I was thinking, I my head was thinking number one overall at Baseball America. So it's like, well, there's only Seager. And yeah. Like you know. <laughs> okay. So now, okay. Um. So. First round only. So, uh, Kemp was six round. Uh, I. Mm, Two thousand. Uh, this is the. Is this is this baseball America ranking back to two thousand or two thousand draft? Um, uh, uh, <laughs> well, it is applicable to both. Their nineties drafts were trash anyway, so <laughs> uh, yeah, didn't matter. Um, so um, okay, uh, I'm just. It might start off with a loss, but I'm going to say James Loney. Yep. He was um, number one in 2003, and he was the first a first-round pick in 2002. Yeah. Um, so now, okay. Uh, so Kershaw. Uh, drafted in 2006, was number one in 2008. Um, and there were the dark periods. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I'm trying to think back on some of these drafts. Oh, they lost their 2009 draft because they signed Orlando Hudson. Um, Zach Lee. Zach Lee drafted in 2010, yeah. number one in 2012. Okay, so then, uh, oh man, one of those years. So I don't remember. This was not a number one prospect, but I can't remember if if Chris Anderson was their 2011 or 2012 first round pick. But they weren't number one, so it doesn't matter. 
Okay, so Bellinger was fourth round in 2013. For the life of me, I can't remember who was number one that year. But I will uh, let you know you've passed. If you're going in order, you have missed yeah. one. Okay, so specifically, right. you've missed the number one prospect of 2006. Of 2000. Okay. Uh, oh, uh, Jonathan Broxton. No, no, he's second round. Never mind. Uh, I'm not saying that. Uh, Player was drafted in 2003. Okay. So, oh, wait. Nope. Oh, Andy LaRoche? Mm-mm. Liar. Um, 2006. You First, own so, so, a jersey oh, Chad of player there. Yeah. <laughs> God. So LaRoche was like a, like a, oh, no, he was a later. I, I was thinking he was like supplemental, but, yep, yeah, I'm stupid. Um, Okay, so back to the grind here. Um, I think they should be easy here on out, but. Right. Um, oh, 2013 draft was Seager because that was when... Oh, no, 2012 was Seager. Yep. Because, and then number one in 15 and 16. Yeah. Uh, and then... Because that was the time where... Uh, speaking of Michael Waka, Bob Nightingale had... After they beat them in the NLCS, they're like, aren't the Dodgers stupid? For- <laughs> um, so... Uh, Gavin Lux. Gavin Lux, 2020. Uh, number one, and then was a first round pick in 2016. So you're only missing one between Seager and Lux. Okay. Um, okay, so it's 14 or 15. Oh, Walker Bueller. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Nice. 15 draft, 18. Number one prospect. You did well. Yeah. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of me too. <laughs> the first time Miguel Vargas and Gavin Lux are the keystone combo for the Dodgers. They will bring 500 plus innings between them at second and short, respectively. All Lux at uh, shortstop, no innings for Vargas. What do you think of this must-see duo and Glendale going into the spring training? I think they're gonna hit. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like um, Lux will probably be like fine at short. You know, I He'll think probably have just, some boneheaded throws. Yeah, but I, I think he's gonna be generally fine. Mm-hmm. Like, um, but like. I think that gives them the most offensive upside. Like having having those four in the infield, Freeman, Muncie, Lux, Vargas. If they hit, they'll put up with whatever. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. And who knows how Vargas is going to play second. It's also going to be weird this year because of, you know, the how teams, like, respond to, like, shift restrictions where you have to have two players on each side. So like, you're never going to have like, and all in the infield. So you're never going to have like Vargas or I guess it would be like Muncie in this case, be in short right field, you know? So you, you, you're not going to necessarily position, but they generally position well. So like, there's still going to be guys like position almost up the middle, but just to, to their side of the bag or whatever. Right. And so, like, with yeah, this kind of flexibility of left field and having um, Rojas on the team, they have they can kind of yeah. brunt one. So, yeah. So I, I I think it's worth the risk. Like you were saying, like I think it's worth seeing if it works, right? Yep. Like, yeah. And then and then just adjusting if they need to. Next question. Am I misreading the roster, or is it right to think that the Dodgers are better set up in the bullpen than the starting rotation right now, as opposed to recent history? I think that's right. Um, 
only because like so they have like you know five starters set right urius is like the most stable at the top kershaw is really good but he's also like is basically good to like miss time mm-hmm. every single year um and then you know Dustin May is coming off Tommy John surgery. He had like a relatively normal offseason, I'm assuming. So it's just a matter of what's he going to be like? How much can you count on him? And then Gonsolin is like, okay, can he keep this up? And also, can you count on him for all season? So like, there's some question marks there, not to mention Noah Syndergaard, who's I think uh, when he signed, talking about like revamping his entire repertoire, (laughs) basically, and, and trying to gain velocity back. So there's a lot of questions there, but that, like I said, then and all like the next four in line in the minors all have question marks too. So like they do have depth there, but that's not, it has the potential to be like, okay, we have, we might be in scramble mode a little bit here at times, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think they're a little, they're more set up uh, in the bullpen, even the, as it stands now, I'm, 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 reasonably certain they're not going to like anoint a closer and then they're yeah. just going to have they'll probably have like evan phillips some games yancy almonte some games you know alex vesia some games or whatever like it, it, it might depend on matchups but they they have a probably like a good handful of guys who they they are reasonably comfortable with and like late inning stuff so i i think they're they're in good shape there reason like for the most part with Justin Turner in Boston, do you see Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts having to take on the roles as faces of the Dodgers this season? I mean, Mookie already is, yeah. like, and Freeman kind of is too. Like, and them as as a pair really uh, yeah. have have you know kind of uh, you know maybe it's a little bit of a push narrative, but from what we understand, really dictating the the tone of the clubhouse, the sort of very professional, you know, go by the book. Uh, you know, uh, not uh, uh, don't get overly emotional. Like, um, yeah, kind of steady, steady appearance. Yeah, I mean, it is going to be different. I'm, you know, with not having like Turner there, but like for the most part, you know, it is kind of Mookie is you know kind of the tone setter, and maybe even in a quiet way to a point. Like, so I don't know. Um, it is going to be a little bit. It's going to be interesting. They, like they, um, they, the Dodgers play at Boston, so this year, so Turner doesn't get the, not yet at least, uh, the sort of return mm-hmm. um, ovation, that kind of stuff. So, and well, they will when they trade for him. But that's true. Yep. Final question: I made air fried wontons a few Ooh. weeks ago, which leads to a two part question. Have either of you tried to air fry anything? And if so, how did it go? Second, do you prefer dumplings steamed or fried? I don't have an air fryer, so I have not. Um, I'm going to get one at some point. I just haven't gotten around to it. We have our oven broke in the middle of Thanksgiving. I think I mentioned that uh, when talking Thanksgiving. We got a new one, which has an air fry feature. And I have used that, I think, exclusively to reheat frozen or leftover french fries. And it is wonderful at that. I've I've heard that about air fryers. Um, And... So I guess if I had an air fryer, I would, I would try to put dumplings in there, but I think I'd prefer, I'd prefer them steamed. 
Same. Steam yeah. jump lanes, absolutely one of my favorite things. Uh, yeah. And it just can't, it just, I, I think some of that is just that it's, for me at least, so unique to steam dumplings, whereas fried dumplings taste like some similar fried foods to me. So we, you did not uh, come out to Southern California, at least for the new year. I did not. But we did our sort of annual dim sum get together. Very heartbroken and, that I missed it. That was the last time I've had dumplings. So I've been <laughs> craving them in a way ever since, but I just haven't, I haven't uh, quenched that thirst or hunger or whatever yet. Um, one thing in, a, in an effort to not end on food, I forgot to mention, um, we mentioned Mookie Betts there. Uh, as of, I'm, by the time we're recording this, I believe his, his time is over because I don't think he qualified. But Mookie Betts bowled in the U.S. Open in Indianapolis <laughs> this week. Three days, uh, I believe it's eight eight games a day, 108 bowlers. He was in like 105th place coming into today. Um, so the top 24 go to match play or whatever. But uh, it's pretty cool. Like, like he got a sponsor's exemption to get in, but like whatever, it's fine. Yep. It seems seems kind of cool. Just that's a nice little hobby to have. And I, it shows you how good like bowlers are. I think his average coming into um, coming into today was like for the tournament was like 182, and that's bad. Like <laughs> that's considered bad for bowlers or whatever. Um, I am going to look up while we are recording just so I can give you an updated Mookie Betts um, finish here. Uh, this is going to be exciting radio. Do you think he's having fried wontons at the bowling? Do you think they just oh, like man. crack back beers and? Oh, okay. So we since we do always end on food, I will say, um, bowling alley French fries. There's usually it's not like there's a universal thing, but they're almost always great. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Mookie Betts picked it up on day three. He moved it up to 98th place. Ended up averaging uh, just under 186 for the tournament. So good for Mookie Betts. I thought that was cool. So uh, go out, everyone, go bowling, get some bowling alley <laughs> fries, get, get some bowling alley dumplings, if that's a thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. That, that's good. Uh, we're spring, By the time we record next, it's pro, I think workouts will have already begun unless, some, I guess, with something happens, we could do another podcast. But yeah, spring training, basically here, where baseball is almost back. So... Yeah, it's eagerly awaited. Yep. That's all for us today. Just seamless transitioning here. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, we'll talk to you again soon. Bye.